Hey, this is Scott Hartnell, and you're listening to Music City Gold on Penalty Box Radio. Exciting episode of Music City Gold Playoff Edition. We're part of the Pony Box Radio Network, and we are glad to have you. I'm your host Kyle, and with me, as always, are my co-hosts Daniel and Matt. Hello, hey guys. Is that better? <laughs> yeah. For the viewers at home, we actually had a full intro, and Kyle kind of got us out of rhythm, and we didn't get to do the hello and hey guys. And Matt and I literally just gummed up and didn't know what to say. So you got to go in order, Kyle. I mean, heaven forbid I go out of order and try to do some freestyling on this intro for once. Well, we like consistency around Can't work in those conditions, go. But let me tell you, it's playoff hockey time. I could sense the excitement in your voice. I know Matt has been pumped up all week. Look, he's doing two fist pumps. Oh, what yeah. do you say, Matt? How did you like the first round of Loved hockey? It. It We're was almost awesome. done, which we'll talk about some updates tonight. But the first round is almost 100% complete. We only have one matchup left, which is a juicy game seven in Boston and Toronto, which I did predict it was going to go to seven games. What are you looking at? You're looking at your bracket there? I'm seeing how many seven? games. No, I you said six, six for right. Toronto. So I All said right. Boston and seven. I thought it was going to be razor thin. Man, it's looking like a good series. I, I think everyone here wanted them or uh, picked the winner to go on to the cup final. So yep. there's looking, a lot a lot going on for our brackets on, on this matchup. Looking at my bracket, I said seven games, and I've got Boston advancing. Same thing, Kyle. So. I ended up, uh, after we last recorded, I ended up going back and made some last-minute adjustments and picked Toronto over Boston because I needed another upset. And very, uh, Did you pick Philly, too? Over No, no, oh, no. You, this was the old, yeah. Oh, I yeah, you, you went ahead and heeded Daniel's advice. And <laughs> he granted, some common though, sense. Philly put it to him. So we'll unpack some of these series here in a few minutes, but uh, I was very shocked at the showing of the lower-seeded teams for the first round. Um, then there were some teams that just, didn't show up to play at all, so and we'll we'll get to that. Sounds like you're talking about kind of like the Preds in the first couple of periods. Oh well, you know, I figured we'd come out a little slow, but it it was a slower start than I would like to have seen in the playoffs. We took care of business at home in the first two games, pretty handily, which you're supposed to do. Um, we go to Colorado, lose that first game. It's pretty high flying, you know. Got the, the Pepsi centers rocking. So I understand losing that first game. Come back with a strong, strong second win at game four. And you expect the team to come home and close it out. We all did. I was at the game. I was watching it from a cabin in the Smokies. And um, not going to lie, it was, it was pretty crushing when we had that game five defeat. And um, it's at home. So you never know what's going to happen. You're going to have to go back on the road now. And you don't want a game seven because you know anything can happen. But at least, at least game sevens are at home now, so uh, we have that to our advantage. But I think there's a. <laughs> it's funny because we could unpack each game individually a little bit, and I know we will. But Kyle, let's get a nice, quick league update of what all happened in the Western and Eastern Conference. Sure thing. So, in the top part of the West, on your bracket, Preds take a four-two series win over the Avs. Jets t- beat the Wild. For the one in five games. In the bottom half of the West, Vegas surprisingly sweeps the Kings and surprises the hockey world. Then the Sharks say, hey, you know what? We can do that too. And they sweep the Ducks in four games. Now going over to the East, Lightning cast out the Devils in five games. Cast out the Devils. Wow. See what I did there? I got you. No. No, didn't see what you did there. How about you move on? Move on. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So as we all know, Bruins and the Leafs are going to go to game seven because the Bruins could not close it out. What a great series. And the bottom part of the East, Caps beat the Blue Jackets to go on to the second round, and Pins beat the Flyers in a heartbreaking series to win in six games. Yeah, I saw the end of that series, so we'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, we had some strong feelings that night in the room because we kind of had a watch, watch party for the game six here, and we kind of by proxy ended up watching some of the other games. But let's hit the, the Pred series here. So game one at home against Colorado. Pretty decisive win here, 5-2. to two. Thought it was a commanded win, a good statement to say, "Hey, we're the Preds." Well, here's the deal: it's at home. It's the first game. 
you know it's going to be loud. I was there. I mean, the crowd was nuts. So you expect to win that one. I mean, you're expected to win most of your home games anyways. But we came out very strong. A little bit of a slow start because we got scored on on the first <laughs> shot on goal, which is going to be a theme yeah. as we unpack yeah. some of these. <laughs> so we get, sh- you know, whatever, whatever. It's okay. First shot on goal, whatever. Kind of quiet the crowd down. Give us credit. We got right back up like Nashville does. Started cheering. You dust it off. We come back. We're resilient. But we're at home. That's the key. We 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 can recover because we're at home. We go on, the game progresses. Poor Sammy Gerard almost sat out the entire series nursing his uh <laughs> nursing his <laughs> ego after he got completely undressed. Oh my gosh, that goal. That goal when I came <gasps> into work the next day, there was people that weren't even like Preds fans that had seen the clip of that and they were like, Oh my gosh. And they I mean, were they was going crazy about it. I'm like, this is why I love playoff hockey. People that don't even really watch hockey see the clip season, they're like, Oh my gosh, that's amazing. That one got mad excited too. Oh yeah. I mean First of all, to do that one in the regular season, tough enough, but to do it at playoff level where the you know the competition's elevated, and then on top of it, to have enough guts to just attempt to pull it off, because nine times out of ten, that's not working. Maybe even more than that. And maybe 80 out of 100 times, that's not working. And he completely undressed him. Like a backwards toe drag pull in between the legs, then chips it in between his legs too, so it was like two in between the legs moves. Best part about it was my section. I'm literally like bird's eye view on this. And you know, like when the goal happens, everyone just immediately jumps up. That goal horn, you know, is blaring in our section. This one was a little different. I'm not going to lie. So so it happened and everyone was like halfway out of their seat, you know, like like they <laughs> didn't know. Yeah, they didn't know exactly what happened. But the guy in front of me, like just had both hands on his head like, <laughs> and his mouth was completely open and he just started staring around. But you know that uh, that gif um, it's like a burn gif and like one kid says something and they're all just running around crazy. That's how it oh, was yeah. in the stands. I mean, people were in the aisles. It was just like, oh, and people are just falling out everywhere in the seats. <laughs> like dude just got his ankles broke on the ice. I mean, it was nasty. I mean, the tweets were hilarious. I mean, it looked like he's playing a video game out there. Oh yeah, It didn't even look real. In fact, Taylor from work, he, uh, I will quote him and said, if I were playing NHL 18 and a comm or a computer did that to me, I would get mad and throw the controller probably against the wall because I would think it's physically impossible because it looked that unreal. Yeah, that, that's the best gif of the postseason so far, if you ask me. I saw a lot of people the next morning. I woke up, you know, checked the Twitter, checked some of the highlights if I missed any last night. And first thing people are reposting, they said, just want to start your day out right here's that sweet gift of Forsberg last night. Like that's the way to start the day right there. Consequently, Samuel Gerard out three games. <laughs> so. And I think that is the goal of the playoffs. So far, it's up there. Uh, I think Panarin had a really nasty one too, uh, an OT winner. Um, but for me, as far as pure skill, that that was just nasty. I mean, double in between the legs. And then with the, the wrist shot finisher to get around him and have enough power, insane. And I will say, Guess what actually worked in this game? What, Kyle? Our power play. What do you know? It actually showed up. I was amazed. I was like, are you serious? We're actually going to get a power play, and we got a goal. I was happy about I know. that. Well, we, we were at a roughly 19% for the series. Not bad. Um, I think there's still <laughs> major room for improvement. So oh, as yeah. we go 16%. On to the 16%. We lowered that. I knew we were at about 19 going into the last game because we calculated it, but then we took a couple and didn't get any. So, um, But anyways, that moves us on to game two. And you know what happens in game two on the first shot? <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I want to guess. I want to guess. We got scored on. We get scored on. Uh, and here's the deal. The slow starts, this cannot happen in the next series. It just can't. We're about to play the Jets, for crying out loud. And we can recover at home, but there's no way we're recovering with slow starts on the road, which will get us in the game three in just a moment. It's almost almost frustrating that we can't play a full 60 minutes on the ice. And I understand our team is very, um, how would you say, um, 
rhythmically, like they have to get in sync. It takes them a while to get in sync, but once they do, man, they're hot and they're the hottest team in the oh, league. Yeah. They've shown it this year, even throughout that stretch. When we get on fire and are hot and don't have any breaks, we're generally better. I think we actually do better on less rest, personally. I agree with that. I knew coming into the series that we got like at least three to four days of rest. I knew we were going to be off sync. I knew it. So I wasn't surprised when I saw one and two games of us being off sync. But when we get to the third and we were still on a slow start, I was slightly concerned. Like I wasn't like, let's burn everything and tear it all down. But I was a little concerned. Yeah, I was uh, had some caution. I was getting a little frustrated and, and not, you know, you can blame a little bit on Pecorino. He was getting lit up the first, I'm skipping a little ahead to the first three games, but the defense looked su- superiorly suspect the first two games. And uh, so suspect, you should have seen the heat map for the third game. Oh, from that natural stat trick, oh, yeah. it was and, ridiculous. And, and if you want to unpack the third game really quick, so that was an even worse start. They scored on the second shot on goal, and then it just went downhill from there. It was like bad turnovers, and the slot looked like Swiss oh, cheese yeah. on the ice. I mean, if you saw the heat map, all four goals were within 10 feet of Peck in the slot, which are like virtually impossible to save because you have, you you as a shooter, you have... Every corner available. Top, bottom, left and right. Prime real estate. Prime real estate. And we just, for some reason, would not defend it. Would not defend it. And that was another slow start. We didn't come out in the first, and we got burnt, and that's because it was on the road. They used the momentum of the crowd, and we got toasted. The crazy part is, I thought we played better in the second, and in the third, we were the way better team and started to make a comeback. But once again, it's too little, too late. Too little, too late. And you can't do that on the road. Well, it does seem, like you said, they've been getting lit up a little bit early in the first period. That's kind of a throwback to how they were last year. You guys kind of put that together in the middle of the season, but now it's starting to seem the last couple of games not showing up so much for the first period, getting scored on early. It seems the Preds have a habit of playing from behind, like down two or three goals. They seem to actually work pretty well under that circumstance for whatever reason. And while the D was really suspect in the first two games, you guys come out and got two wins, but going to the future series, going against the Jets coming up next, you don't really want to start out the game down two goals. No. To put it in perspective, we closed Colorado out in five with five goals, and they had zero points. Jets came around and did the same thing to the Wild. Five goals, zero on them. Very big statement wins at, at the end, which we'll get to. But uh, once again, we, we got to start stronger, and I think we will. And it got better as the series went on. So, And that leads us right into game four, which I thought was a very great effort on the road. Three to two win in the Pepsi Center. Um, once again, Forsberg. I, I I don't get it because he's just on another level this playoff, which is excellent. Because last year, the well dried up and Forsberg was just non-existent. So the fact that we're getting production from him, the top line looks fantastic right now. Mm, second line, not, not so much going right so now. well. They're not really getting any production. Ironically enough, for this series. The third line has been the star. Yeah. Um, you expect your top line to get the production we're getting, and we have been, which is excellent. Second line got shut down in the Colorado series, so I expect them to definitely make a push in this next series against the Jets. But the Sissons line, the is, Sissons, Bonino, and... It's ridiculous. I, I could not believe it. I mean, looking at their stats here, you've got Sissons, Bonino, and Watson have combined in one series for 19 points. They've got nine goals and 10 assists compared to the on-fire tourist line of the regular season, which has been shut down to only five points, and that's three goals and two assists. And amazingly, tourist himself only has one assist and zero goals. Yeah, and and you could tell he was a little frustrated in the series, and I know he's going to elevate his game in the second round. Um, but, I, I mean, those stats for our third line, that sounds like a top-line stat line. Yeah. I mean, it, that was insane. And I think that got back to, um, you know, the good part about our team is we have the depth. So if one line is not hot, well, guess what? We just had another one pick it up because there's mis- mismatch problems on every single line. You can't possibly match up against every single line on us. We are the better team for a reason. That will be something we definitely need to keep exploiting for those long playoff runs. But You're talking about you know uh, the third line of Citizens Benino and Watson. Guess who has become the new Mr. Playoff? Austin Watson. Close. Colton Sissons. Sissons and Watson, yeah. Yeah. Sissons and Watson, man. They turn into an animal. 
You got Sissons in six games. He leads the team with seven points, three goals, and four assists. Watson is technically first as well, but they put him as second through six games with the exact same amount of points, except he's got four goals and three assists. So they're basically both Mr. Playoffs. And I love that like Watson has to remind the media that I was a good scorer back in the day. He's proving it, and he's got a chip on his shoulder this year, and you can really tell with that third line. And give credit to Lavi. That, that is a great line combination, and he's going to be rolling that one moving forward because they, they did some work. And they mostly got matched against Nathan McKinnon's line. Which they shut down, too. The yeah. Corsi rating for the McKinnon line when they were matched up against the third line was drastically lower. I want to say it was like almost 20% lower. Um, I don't have the exact stats pulled up, but it, it an incredible effort from them. But um, that gets us into game five, which was like... I don't want to talk about this game. The Hamburglar stole one, Matt. <laughs> yeah, after about the first 10 minutes, I got real tired hearing a Hamburglar. Well, you knew when they brought him in, because you know Var- uh, Bernier was, I was about to say Varlamov, but he was already out. He was already <laughs> out. No, <you> got- <laughs> He's the third string. Yeah, so you've got Varlamov out, you've got Bernier out, and you've got uh, Andrew Hammond. Third string goalie who's been playing in the AHL comes up and steals this game. But at the same time, everyone kept saying, oh, he's a third string, third string. Not, not really. Okay, this dude has had plenty of NHL experience. Oh, yeah. He's had plenty of playoff experience. Like, Yeah, he's a well-known name. No. Like, that's why I was like, this is not going to be some patty cake, you know, we're going to come in here and score 10 goals on an AHL goalie. No, it, it's a seasoned goalie, so... I think that was blown out of proportion on Twitter a little bit with the third string goalie. But, I mean, credit to him. Came in and stifled us. 45 shots on goal. We did not make it easy or difficult for him, rather. All the shots were low. Right into the pad. Couldn't find the loose puck to save her life that game. That annoyed me so much watching that game. I was on vacation in the Smokies with some friends. And they were like, what are you watching? I was like, I'm watching hockey. And one of the girls that was there with us happened to be an Avs fan, so we just kind of had like a little mini, oh, cool. little mini. Happened to be an Avs forth. fan, but she didn't know that the game was on. Mm. Suspect at the <laughs> least. Is that the kind of fans the Avalanche have around here Apparently, these days? Man, or? dude, dude, did you see their the, Twitter? The Avalanche Twitter was just a landslide <laughs> of just emotion, and especially the media. The oh media accounts were terrible. Yeah, you know, there's one thing being, mean, there's one thing being homers. But they were being extreme homers about every little. Well, they were. I mean, they a, were. A couple of our media members had suggested that they were just trolling for clickbait because that's how they get paid, and they wanted that out-of-town market Nashville to click oh, on their yeah, for sure. newspaper articles. You know, that's how they uh, make. I a mean, living. they had so some. They is getting down to being slanderous though towards some of our uh, players. Yeah, because some of it was not true whatsoever. Yeah. Um. I mean, there could have been some recreational products used in the make making of these articles i don't know but i'm just saying some of them were way out there um but yeah, i know I'd, several of the uh i would say we're a pretty well-known preds account by now i say some of the ones like higher up like seventh pred and and some of the others took them on i think they in, in, actually ended up getting blocked by them because they just kept on like look guys you're, you're it, it, they're just trolling it's yeah. just clickbait to generate more revenue for them but yeah it was kind of kind of interesting to see but anyway back to game five Heartbreaker, tons of shots on goal, couldn't get anything to fall. We have one failed clear attempt that cost us the game. And hear me hear me through. We could not get the puck out of the zone. We get hemmed in, and that's where they scored the one goal. <laughs> and then we were pushing on the second goal where PK was way down. Way oh my god. Every line. everybody was down except Ellis, whose stock is rising. Him and Ekholm oh, yeah. plus nine, by the way, Ekholm. Oh, yeah. Plus nine. You got to be kidding me. What a great. They said that's the best in like what? Since 2012 or 2013? So. Uh, league it. wide. League wide. You got to be kidding me. Like he's he's been killing it. It's that beard. That beard has a stick with it too when he's on yeah. the ice. Best by a Preds player in playoff team history. And that's a tie for the third highest by a defenseman in a series since 09. 09. Even better. <laughs> I mean, that's impressive. Um, PK did not have a good series. Everyone knows that. Um, don't know. Yeah, I don't put really the blame on why. that goal for him, man. He was. Oh yeah, he was way up. That goes back to that one cleared attempt that didn't happen that caused the goal, and that's why we were pushing. But I hate that. I absolutely hate that. When we get down, we push way too hard sometimes. Yeah. Give credit to Ellis and everyone trying to break up the play at the end. But I mean, you got you got too much talent and too much speed on the Avs team to let them 
come oh, yeah. in and steal that game. So their speed gave us fits, and I feel like, and I was talking to you guys earlier about this before we started recording. I feel like all top teams do this. They play a lower team, and they just instinctively play down to them. But then they forget that the team that's lower than them has nothing to lose. And they play tougher, and they basically nine times out of ten beat them. That was the Preds last year, by the way. I, yeah. I just want to point that out. Yeah, exactly. That, that was the Preds last year. Yeah, I think on paper, pretty much everybody had assumed that this was going to be the easiest matchup out of the entire bracket and ended up not being that way. And it goes uh, back to what you said. Yeah, look at look at the uh, Philadelphia Series 2. I mean, the battle for Pennsylvania. Everyone thought, there's no way. I mean, the Flyers squeaked into the playoffs. They're not going to come up against the two-time defending uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. No, like they they stuck it to them like for six games. Um, so very impressed with the lower seeds. They got nothing to lose. But one thing we didn't do, and this goes right in the game six, is we did not forecheck well in in the first several games. No, we didn't to counteract their speed. And in game five, we came out. Ticked. Let me tell you. You mean game six? Sorry. In game six, we came out ticked. I, I mean, it started off good. Uh, I mean, we had the first goal <laughs> called back by <sighs> yet a... <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. It's Another been. rant started. Here we go. Goaltender interference. What is it? What does it mean? You know, I've been like What are searching? the questions of the world? Is it flat or not? Yeah. Uh, is there life outside of our solar system? And what is goaltender interference? Those are the three top questions well, we I have mean, to answer. I found a Magic 8-ball and asked what goaltender interference was and said, come back later. Uh, let me give you a quote by Dmitry Filipovich before we get totally off rails here. He said, it, talking, referring to the officiating that's going on lately, he said, I understand that the degree of difficulty of the job is super high, but it feels like the officiating so far this postseason has been highly suspect in most instances not even necessarily in favor of one team or the other, just uniformly unpredictable and bad across the board. I, I mean, I can't argue with that. It's true. <laughs> That's, it's been it bad has in been every frustrating game. for everybody, it, and especially for us, because we've seen it happen to us a couple times. Several times, several times. But this goal, uh, I'm sorry, it should have been a goal. I'm calling it a goal because he came so far out of the net. And yeah, this is what he wasn't I'm, even what, in the this, crease at all. Not even close to the crease. Not even on top one of foot it, was in the paint. Turris got slightly pushed, and he tried to die. It didn't really he tried look to like get out. it. Yeah. Really didn't look like that he was intentionally trying. And that's also a former teammate, by the way. So it's not like Turris was wanting to cleave his face off so he could get a goal. I mean, if you're out of the crease, you are ineligible for goaltender interference. That is the risk you take by coming out and trying to cut off the angles that we've yeah. talked about so much that <laughs> just Matt loves goaltender yeah. and you know those aggressive goalies. Well, if you come out, I don't want to hear it. I don't yeah. want to hear it if you get touched. Yeah, I've seen Hendrik Lindquist get like pile drived for doing yeah. that move right there. Oh, and it was decimated. Fine. Yep, and he it's legal because he's out of the crease. We always say playoffs are different beasts entirely. But it seems like the officiating just becomes the worst thing possible. It's like they do it because they want the guys to quote play, which to me gets the point where it's like, okay, at this point you're but letting that them technically was a play. Cheat. That was a play because he decided to come out of the goal. And if, and if anything, the league wants more goals, so you'd think they'd have less interference calls because you remember uh, maybe it was in the offseason last year they were pushing. Maybe we need to met, make the nets larger or the pads smaller so we can get more goals. So if anything, you think the league would want to push more goals and knock out this interference nonsense. But going back to last year, we said, well, it's a bad officiating. This year, we say, well, it's bad officiating. But I look at the examples of how it's happened, and I look at who it's happened to, the Preds. That's, we're going to talk about another one in a second, another bad call against the Preds. Oh my God. It's getting to the point where I'm, I'm starting to think nefariously. I'm, I think that they're just out to get Nashville because they're a non-traditional hockey market. But yet we have some of the, the highest, highest viewership ratings, highest ratings. in the country, we even the on second, off night. We had the second highest last night or yeah. for, for the, the game six. So I, you cannot tell me that we're not generating enough freaking money for the league for them to to be biased. I don't get it anymore. Uh, maybe it's a ref thing, a ref level that they're like, uh, well, by the way, Tim Peel was in that game. Yeah. And Wes McCauley which, was in it too. Which does not help our case because he has a very long track record of not liking 
Nashville. So I don't know if it's the refs not liking non-traditional markets or rather the league. I I generally don't know, but goaltender interference, I, I think I said this in our group text, if you think it is goaltender interference or the opposite, you should go ahead and challenge it because it's going to be whatever you logically think yeah. is the opposite. So the opposite of what it should be. So if you think it's a, it's a good goal, it's probably not. And, and that's sad because you guys, everybody here in the local market just sees it on their scale with their one team. But you got to think this is not just happening to, to Nashville. It's happening to other teams as well. And as Bro. a fan of hockey in general, it's really turning me off. And I have to think that I'm not the only one who believes that. It's just a pain to watch because it's screwing up the game that we love in general. I'm not going to go into the rant now, but I have another rant for the Phillies game. And I was hot. I mean, I was hot as a, as a Nashville fan because I know – looking at these terrible calls, that they're going to happen in our games too. So when I see a bad one now, I'm calling it out. I'm calling everyone, so you better call it out. If it's yeah. a bad call and it's not your team, you better make darn sure everybody knows about it because we got to get this under control because it is bad right now. It is bad. And what I'm afraid is going to happen is that we're going to get to a Stanley Cup final, whether it's going to be Preds in it or somebody else, and you're going to see a call like that that's going to decide the entire series in the game six or game seven. That already happened to us. We had a we had Forsberg's offside on the crappiest camera I've ever seen, and then on top of it, a game six call that they could have reviewed in Toronto, where they waved it off as a no goal when that puck was just dangling loose because the ref was in the wrong spot to be able to see the puck. So I, I don't know. It's it's just got to get under control anyway. Game five. So this goaltender interference happens. That's tough to come back. That's a bad call. Everyone is expecting a goal. Well, guess what? We come out about 20 seconds later and, and they get it. Blast one pass. Yeah. And I think I even tweeted on it. I said, we had another bad call later in this game. And it seemed like the Preds, after a bad call, came out and scored a goal each time. And it was like, finally, I, I was like, finally, this is the team that we saw during the streak. They're forechecking well. They were smothering. They were blocking shots. Pekka looked sharp. Yeah, they had good I, resilience it, after that bad turn of events happened. They showed good grit to fight back. And in a game six, it made me happy because I'm like, this is the clincher one. This is your last taste in your mouth going into the Jets game. You got to be happy as a Preds fan. This was a great recovery. And, I mean, we crushed them. Five goals, five to zero in Colorado. And you can only hope we take that momentum going into uh, Winnipeg's series. Uh, I mean, you know we will. Um, it's just a matter of now coming out hot for, you know, 60 minutes. We, we got to get that 60 minutes in. But we even had another bad call. Matt, what was that one? Which one are you talking about? I got two in mind. Oh, well, just unpack both of them because we had three really in the game. Well, I know of another one at the end of game six where RV got that embellishment. <laughs> embellishment. It actually was like a well, unsportsmanlike conduct. Yeah. I think that's what they air quotes put it as in the, uh, in the, um, yeah, Kyle's going over air quotes over here on the uh, graphic for NBC. But, uh,. Uh, really? Was that a dive? I mean, did you see? The, I mean, did you see the gif of that? I mean, he got cross checked like in the chin or the throat, somewhere in that area. I mean, he went down. That's what I would have done. That's a pretty sensitive area there. <laughs> I'd be thinking, you know, if you're going to call me from sports and like, here, let me take a stick and hit you in the face and see what you do. Exactly. And it was right in front of the ref. So I'm like, did you not open your eyes and see what's going on? Uh, good thing that was the last game because he would have been suspended. To be honest, he probably should have been fined regardless. And you're talking about calls like that. Let's don't forget the Ryan Hartman thing. <sighs> Where he got crotch checked, crotch checked, and then he's holding on to the stick. Then he gets called for holding. I, I will admit, he did get a little hot, flipping off the ref. Probably not the best idea. I would, I would have done the same thing. I, yeah, I mean, but I it also got like, him set it, for the rest of the series. That and the high hit. That well, and the high hit. I understand. I, I, I understand and warrant the one game suspension. But yeah. he was hot for a reason, and I guarantee yeah. you, if. If I'd been getting crotch checked twice and With getting no call. and getting calls on me instead, boy, someone's face would have been coming off. Yeah, and that's why he got sat for game five, which was the right call. But 
I wanted to see him come back in oh. game six with that fire. He would have got suspended again. <laughs> you know it would have. I was like, I want to see my boy on the ice. Dude, he would have he probably cleaved someone in half. Lobby's <laughs> like, Hartman, I know you wouldn't play, but I'm rightly concerned you might murder somebody. I want to see him and Zadorov uh, go toe-to-toe. Bro, yeah, it, it would have been bad in game six. So I think that was a smart move, but we were really wanting to see him in game six just come out and just start killing people. So It was like my... Uh, Flyers boy the other day who got decapitated on his legs. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that in a minute. But yeah, that's skipping ahead. But yeah, uh, great series. Finally, we rounded out. Don't have to come home for a game seven. Thank God. Um, now we get to move on to the Jets. Yep. And these second round matchups, guys, whew, they're gonna be so good. Every single one so far is just gonna be fantastic. Um, no matter what the outcome is of the Boston-Toronto series as well. Either one of those, it's going to be fantastic against the Lightning. I'll say that the uh, the Wild did give a good fight to the Jets. Even though they lost the series 4-1, to they still hung in there pretty well. I mean, considering the injuries. I mean, who all was injured, Matt? Suter, had Suter yeah, Stahl. I mean, it, it, at that point, you're just kind of like, you're, you know it's inevitable. <laughs> so how long can you stave it off? Yeah. They... I don't know. They had one game, game three. They put up six goals, which was pretty impressive. They started out, you know, the first game or two was pretty good. Three was, you know, that was their showing. But, uh, yeah, they just couldn't hang. They couldn't hang with the Jets. You know, it really is bad, though, on this. So you got game one, Minnesota puts up two goals. Game two, they get one goal. Game six, they sorry, game three, they come back with six goals. Then game four and game five, back-to-back shutouts on the wild. Yeah. They just offensively, they they looked sluggish. They were getting tired. They couldn't string passes together. Um, I don't know. It wasn't the fact that Hillebrook was playing out of his mind either. They just did not look good. And the Jets were putting up so many points too and so much offensive possession. there. I mean, they were getting cut through on like every play in the slot. It was just, it was bad. It was kind of like Colorado, what they did to us uh, in game three. That's what it was for most of the series against the against the Jets, and that'll be something we need to definitely watch going forward. Is first of all check that slot because Line is going to be in it. Yeah, yeah. he's going to be in it big time. Put two guys. You better on stay that guy. out of the power. Yeah, you better stay out of the box for sure. Definitely because that's, that's one thing we didn't we, mention. We did better towards did the end better of the series. The last yeah, two games, whoa. you guys only took two penalties. For both of those games, that's why I said I thought we did better as the series went on. Started off yeah. slow. We ramped it up, and we looked much better in Game Six. So yeah, you're talking on special teams. Preds had 19 power plays compared to the Avs 20. So we're kind of we're kind of even, but that's here's, fine. That's here's one <laughs> thing on even strength. Guess how many goals the Preds had in the Avs and even strength. Preds had 22 goals total. 19 were even strength. Avs wow. only had 14 goals in the series, and 12 were even strength. I mean, it was a lot of even strength play, and we had talked about that where five on five is more important in the playoffs, yeah. and then you use your special teams to you know, sprinkle in that goal or two. We will have to stay out of the box against the Jets because they will make us pay dearly for it. But it is nice that we are trending in the right direction as far as not taking penalties. So Another similarity between them and us, you mentioned how we both had five goals to no goals against the other team to finish out those series. Uh, the Jets and Nashville both had five goals. And through that entire series, both Nashville and the Jets ended up with a plus seven goal differential. So crazy similarities should uh, shape up to be a great matchup, which everybody knows it's going to be. Now, the one matchup I want to talk about, since, you know, we'll have enough to pack on the Jets later when we start playing them. Let's go to the other half of that Western bracket where... Oh, this is juicy. You know, if I had told you guys that Vegas was going to sweep L.A. and the Sharks would come around and sweep the Ducks, what would you have said? First of all, I think Matt was high on the Kings, and I was I just thought the Ducks series was going to be a Ducks-Shark series. You know what I mean? Like, you thought it was going to come in, and they're going to hate each other, and there's going to be blood on the ice, and it's going to go to seven, and it's just going to be strung out, oh, yeah, drawn right. out, and was terrible. I mean, the Ducks did not even show up to play. Well, I feel bad. We have accounts that we interact with on Twitter. They were super depressed. Terrible. Did not show up. They only had four goals the entire series, the Ducks. But <laughs> let's hang it on the on the Knights and the uh, Kings first. 
that was a goaltender's matchup all day. Oh my gosh. And you know what? I'm not disappointed with how LA played. Uh, I'm I'm disappointed with their offense, yeah, but on top the of the offense was terrible. The uh, the first game, I remember staying up to watch it. It was so late. It was almost midnight here or past midnight by the time it ended. That was one of the best goaltending games yeah. I've seen in a long time in the playoffs. It was Flurry versus Quick. Um, I honestly thought Quick was better than Flurry in the game. Vegas had plenty of high-quality scoring chances, and Quick gobbled most of them up. The first goal was like double-screen traffic. I mean, you, you're not going to get that one. But everything that Quick had a chance to get, he got it that game. Flurry did incredible, too. He didn't have as many high-scoring chances just because the Kings were garbage this series as far as uh, their offense. Three, three goals. Three goals, yeah. It's, that's pretty bad. And it wasn't because Flurry was that much better. They just... The offensive zone, I, they did not stay in it very long. And when they got in there, they could never sustain the pressure. They could never keep it up. But what a great series as far as goaltenders are concerned. Yeah, it might be a little suspect to the Kings offense. Like you said, both goaltenders were great. If you look at Jonathan Quick's stats, he actually was .947 save percentage and only let seven goals against the whole series. That's insane. But Against know, the Knights, too, who scored... Yeah. Pretty good amount of goals, so uh, I thought he did fantastic. He did a great job. The rest of his team let him down. Yeah, it didn't quite uh, pan out for them. Yeah, you look at Anzi Kopitar, the only person that got two goals the entire series. Yeah. And that was two of their four goals. He had half their goals. You know, what's interesting, the big takeaway, I know we haven't quite talked about the other series yet, but in general, with both these teams getting swept, uh, the Kings got swept and the Ducks got swept. What's interesting is those are two big bruiser teams. So we've kind of hinted at it before, talking about how the game of hockey is changing over time, and you're not seeing as much stay-at-home defensemen in these big bruisers. Now the game is becoming much more faster with two-way defensemen and puck-moving defensemen. So you're seeing these older-style teams like the Kings and the Ducks who got these big hitters that aren't as fast Maybe that's the reason they lost. They both got swept because their style of hockey isn't as relevant in today's hockey market now. And because they're so fast, they're not drafting players that are that big anymore either. They're drafting smaller players like Arby, for example, who Arby's an anomaly though. Yeah. Like he's just he's got that grit and well, I mean, I think even Matt commented in the game where he caught the puck yeah, on the way. And then just one-handed, like halfway up the shaft of the stick, chips it uh, while holding off a guy. I mean, people like that are special. I mean, do you think the Ducks and the Kings will rebuild now? No, I won't go that far. But it's just that they're a little antiquated in the way the style of hockey is being played now. That for some reason, you know, they do great for the most of the year. You know, they make it to the playoffs. But on that elite level and against the best of the best, against especially not only – just against Vegas, who is particularly a quick team as it is, it really shows the faults they have in that system. Um, I would argue the Kings need more retooling than the Ducks. If you look at the Ducks lineup, they're equipped to be a quicker team and to be a relevant team. They just did not. They flat out just did not show up. I mean, you got Fowler, Raquel. Yeah. You have Corey Perry, Silverberg. Cogliano. Cogliano. That right there, I mean, that's some that's some killer names right there. Non-existent. Absolutely non-existent, which is crazy to me for that series. Raquel's going to be fantastic. They got him, I think, at locked at like $4.6 too. It's fantastic deal. It's kind of like our RV uh, contract. But that said, I, I feel like the Kings are super, they're, they're top-heavy as far as their experience. They have too much older experience and not enough young new talent. So there's this happy medium where you need the older veterans and the the grizzled, you know, leaders and the playoff experience, but you also need the young, new, fresh people with the speed to lift. It all needs to come together, and the Kings don't have that. They're too top-heavy on the experience and being old. Uh, I think they need to freshen up the lineup and get some speed and preferably, you know, some younger talent. Well, they're not going to do it, Kopitar. He's locked in for $10 million all the way to 23-24. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it's going to be interesting to see how they restructure their their salary cap at the end of the year. But I, I, I honestly think they just need a couple of small 
younger pieces and they'll be fine. Back to the Sharks Duck series for a second. I think we kind of had agreed that the Ducks seemed to have the best roster out of that bottom half of that bracket as far as experience and, you know, big name players. So is it just that the Sharks are that good? I remember my stats said that they the Sharks were six one and one against their California rivals. So either the Sharks just play good against their counterparts, or are they that good of a team? Because they they dropped 16 goals that series. They dropped eight goals in game three. I think the Kane addition really helped. Oh, yeah. Um, it helped, once again, speed up their lineup a little bit. They're still a, a pretty physical team. Let's yeah. let's not forget, they, this is the Sharks we're, we're talking about. But they are way faster this year, and you could definitely see that on the ice. They just wanted it more. I, I mean, just looking at the games, it's just it was bad. I think I think we'll really see San Jose's true colors in the the matchup against Vegas. Are they legit or not? Well, we're about we're about to find out. Were was the Ducks that bad? So, I think it's a great second round matchup because you have two teams that swept going against each other. Perfect. We'll see which one actually deserved the first round sweep. Well, I'm kind of hoping that Vegas wins because I got $5 on the line. <laughs> yeah, right. we still have $5 on the table here, so uh, we'll wait to see. You know, you could double down. I was a little excited. I actually forgot the details of our bet at first. So when <laughs> I, I saw that when Vegas Vegas beat the Kings, I was excited to get five dollars. And Daniel quickly reminded me that no, I have to get through one more round to get five dollars. Gotta, gotta right. go get that Culver's burger for five dollars. <laughs> right, so. Y'all hate and come Culver's. Don't do that. Anyway, now let's move on to the Eastern Conference, Kyle. Well, on the Eastern Conference, you've got the Lightning. As I said earlier, my pun cast the Devils out in five games. Which, on my bracket, I had the Devils as my upset, and I thought at some points they were going to do it. No, no. It, it was the Lightning versus Taylor Hall. Yeah. Actually, that's really what it was. It was Taylor Hall versus the world at that point. I mean, that's really how you could sum up the series. Credit Taylor Hall has been playing out of his mind this year. He's really my MVP for the league, to be honest. But I think uh, Connor might take that home. But we'll, I hope we'll not. We'll see. Once again, that trade still doesn't make any sense. I think I've said it 50 times on this podcast. The Oilers getting rid of Hall just never made sense, but he obviously fit in with the uh, the Devils there. But it just, you can't have one person carry the team. You can't have one superstar. That goes back to the McDavid show. They didn't even make the playoffs, and you have arguably the best team in the league or the best player in the league rather uh, easily the best so, player in the league you can't be top heavy and they have one player that was doing it all so i think that's eventually what did the devils in but sorry kyle your upset did not come true but they will move on to face some juicy game seven matchup for toronto and the bruins which has been one of my favorite series so far yeah, in the first definitely round. That's the one series that I do know on my bracket I will get points for seven games regardless who wins because called it in seven. Don't you have to get it right, though, Kyle? You can get it wrong, but if you get the net amount of games correct, you still get points. So you get like one point. Pretty much. Uh, consolation consolation prize, yeah. prize for, for sucking. Anyway, we're, we all generally agreed that this game would probably go to seven, or this series would go to seven, and that the winner would end up in the finals against the Predators. So we have a lot going on for her, a lot on the line for our brackets as far as this is concerned. But this series has been so back and forth. It's been crazy. Tons of goals scored. I mean, that first line for Boston in one game put up 22 points. That's impressive. What? In a game? D- dude, it, insane. It was a pasta party. Yeah, I read a, yeah, a stat went, about it. It was, it was unbelievable. Pasternot How? went off that game. So, that said, this has been an incredible series. I hope Boston wins just for my bracket's sake. I am super looking forward to a Lightning and or slash Toronto-Boston second round matchup. That's going to be another fantastic one. Like I said before, any way you slice it, these second round matchups are going to be fantastic. You're talking about the scores on it. So, it's amazing looking at this Toronto-Boston. You had game one. Boston comes and gets a 5-1 win. Second game, they come and get a seven to three win. And you know, the first time those games happened, I was like, "Wow, it's done." I was like, "Boston's gonna is gonna sweep them in four because you know what team can survive when you're you know you're getting at least twice the amount of goals put up on you." And then, of course, Toronto comes back around and gets it four two. Boston gets it game four three one. 
Boston gets game five, four, three. And Toronto, you know, get the game six, three, one. So who do you think will get it? I know you what your bracket says, but based on the back and forth, who do you really think is going to get game seven? You know, it's it's hard to tell because Boston started out the series really hot. They got the first two games, and then here comes the momentum swing. Toronto was coming into clutch and getting the, the last two games. I don't know. Uh, if you look at some of the metrics, currently Boston has a plus seven goal differential against Toronto. So I'll probably have to give the nod to Boston, even though I want Toronto to win. And it's at home. Yeah. I, I, I would give the, the edge to Boston as well. Uh, I think Brad Marchand shows up. He loves Boston. I think this is where he just takes it and he starts his antics and he starts kissing people <laughs> and he starts crotch oh, checking people. I love him. Um, we haven't even talked about that. He's kissed like three men this this year in the NH. No, I think it's been twice, but I, I think he really carries them in game uh, seven. And I think Boston moves on to face the Lightning. That's my prediction for what it's worth, but I think he can go either way and I'm happy with either team advancing because these were two excellent teams in the first round. And I will say the difference in, I believe, the Boston-Toronto game is Austin Matthews, who has been essentially shut down with only two points, one goal, and one assist in five games. Wow. Which is scary for Boston, because if you think about it, the series is tied right now, and Austin Matthews has done nothing. So what happens if he comes out and has a hot game in seven? You're toasted. Yeah, I hadn't really considered how much they'd been shutting down Austin Matthews. That's, yeah, that the difference in the series right there is shutting down. It is. That's your superstar. So we'll see in game seven. If they can keep Austin Matthews in check just one more game, they have a chance. Um, It's going to be fantastic. I can't wait to watch it. It's good hockey right there. It's going to be great. But we got to wait on that one to to, to end so we can finalize all the second round dates. So come on, guys, hurry it up. You know, we we, got to figure out our home games. But that can move us on down to the bottom part of the East bracket where I correctly predicted that the Capitals would beat the Jackets. You did. They just went final a few minutes ago, right before our podcast. So we kind of got to watch that in the game. Granted, they kind of scared us, Kyle. They did. They scared you because it did not look good for your bracket right out the gate because they lost both games at, at home. home. Boy, they don't even need the President's Cup to do that. I mean, <laughs> I, I mean yeah. <laughs> people were starting to say, you know, you get tired of choking in the second round, so we'll choke in the first round. This time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, hey, why not? So they go down 0-2, which is not good. I, I remember, first of all, this this series, OT, OT, OT. That's oh, yeah. a fantastic series. Very tight, very competitive. First game went to OT, second game went to OT, third game went to OT, fourth one did not, fifth one did, sixth one did not. Four out of the six games went to overtime. One went to double overtime. You can't well. ask for a better matchup in the first round of series of games. Yeah, that's out of great. all the first round games, I mean, even past the Preds, I think that was one of the best best ones to watch simply because of all the overtime. I, I don't want to jinx the Capitals, but you know that that overtime is going to play a toll on them and they're going to be a little winded and not as fresh for the second round. I'm not going to foreshadow who they're going to be playing but it's going to be scary for them as Capitals fans. But so. you know all Capitals care about. They want this second-round matchup. They wanted oh, man. it. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. But the fact that they were able to go down 0-2 and then win four straight. Yeah. That's trending in the right direction. Ovechkin had two goals good. tonight. Yeah, uh, Ovi's been on fire the last couple of games. That's typical. Their power, their power play's been killer, too. It got hot right at the moment when they needed it. Um. I think also Columbus one night, they had some infographic and they were like 38% in the face-off circle that night. Yeah, you're going to lose the game. You're getting toasted every time they're in your zone. So it all the metrics and everything finally lined up. And yes, the Capitals took it in six. Rest easy, Cap fans, for now. But I will say the Jackets did get some respect because look at this. Your top two point leaders was... Panarin with seven points and Seth Jones. Panarin with five. was killing it too. Uh, he also had that sweet overtime goal uh, to finish him off in game one, I believe it was. That nasty top shelf over the shoulder. Oh, man. What a sniper. But great series overall. Super excited that the Capitals are moving on to face the Pittsburgh 
Penguins. And you know, I think they have a legit oh, chance to yeah, beat sure them. Sure you do, Kyle, because you're the Capitals fanboy. No. Okay, so we're about to segue into the Battle of Pennsylvania. Okay, realistically, would you have said that Pennsylvania and Philadelphia would have went six games? No, but Pittsburgh last year to get to the, the Stanley Cup Finals had two Game 7 series, and one was against the Ottawa Senators and the Carlson Show. Most people didn't give Ottawa a single chance to get past five games, and it went the full distance. So, Kyle, anything anything is on the table for the playoffs. We saw that with some of the other matchups. You have these wild cards coming in, taking us to six. Yes, they took the Flyers, give them credit, they took the Penguins to six, but their defense was god-awful. <laughs> I mean, it, it was terrible. It's it's a routine show. If you look at Pittsburgh and Philly have played eight times this year, uh, excluding the postseason, and out of those eight games, seven of the eight games, Pittsburgh has put up five goals against Philadelphia. And ringing true again in the playoffs, they played six games. Four out of the six, they put up five goals at least. The first game, seven to nil. All you have to do to win <laughs> as the Flyers is just not let Pittsburgh score five goals on you. Are you kidding me? I think part of their problem, though, is that Philadelphia has historically had a terrible back end in net. They've the, never had a good goaltender first situation. First of all, let's not even get me started on the goaltender situation in Philadelphia. They used three goaltenders, and none of it made a lick of sense at all. First of all, you trade for Mrazic. Yeah. You play Mrazic. I'm sorry. I'm not a Red Wings fan. We have one in this show right here. And I do not understand why you give up so many draft picks to draft a player who's supposed to be a cornerstone for your franchise moving forward, and you do not play him. Okay, you're talking about goalies. So, Elliot got toasted in the first game. Guess who the best goalie was for that series? Third stringer. Michael Neuverth. Kid is amazing, and he's a third string goalie. He got called up from the AHL. Yeah, I mean... I understand giving him a shot, but even then, I, I still would have been going Mrazic. And then even after the first game, he got toasted. It was 7-0. Yeah. First of all, it was like 4-0. to They pull Elliott, and then they try to put in Mrazic to try to like, oh, stop the bleeding. And it's like, why are you throwing a guy who's supposed to be your starter in a bad situation already just to get burnt even more to make his stats look even more skewed. So then you don't even start him in the second game. Oh, Elliot's our man. Yeah. We're uh, going to go with him again. They didn't learn their lesson the first time. Forget it. it I'm like, going to make a correction to what I said earlier. I was looking at the regular season. Postseason. Number one goalie was Peter Mrazek. Boom. Shocker. He had a .857. And that's the best goalie. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Y'all, th- their defense was horrible. D- don't hang it all on the goalies. I was watching some of these Flyers games, and it was just like carving straight through the neutral zone, straight inside, right up the slot goal. I, I mean, it was bad. It was very bad. The last game even proved it more. But when you're getting seven seven goals hung on you, it's just it's not going to work out. Granted, though, you did see Pittsburgh waiver. When Pittsburgh is off, they are terrible. I noticed that even in the regular season. Oh, yeah. Like, if if they're on, they're the best team because they're scoring like eight goals in the game. It doesn't even make sense. Crosby's everywhere. Pretzel, Getzel is everywhere. Yeah. I mean, he becomes an animal in the playoffs. Bro, Crosby and Getzel are one and two in scoring in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah, I mean, well, Getzel had four goals in the last game. Granted, two of them were basically gifted, but we'll get to that in a second. As Nashville fans, we understand the pretzel experience because we got lit up by by him in the, the finals. Um, he comes out of there as a rookie, and he, he's going to be fantastic for them. What a great acquisition. <laughs> and he's still a rookie, so you're paying him very minimal. But going back to what Matt said about league-wide calls, there was a call in game six. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you have no idea what you're talking about. That call didn't happen. <laughs> that, as a Predators fan, like I said earlier, I was hot. I was sitting there on the, on the couch, and I'm like, oh, my God. How, how do you not call it? So let's set up the scene here. You have offset, 
offsetting penalties. Everyone's in the box. It's four on four. Uh, Chris Letang is in the box. Shocker. For, you know, whatever. I can't remember. Whatever he did this time. Blah, 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 whatever. He's in there. And at this point, it is a one-goal game. Okay? Anything can happen. You can pull the goalie in the last two minutes and get a goal, and it's tied. Letang comes out of the box, circles around the net. Puck is in the flyer zone. Letang then proceeds to slow. I mean, like, what, what would you call it, Matt? A hack, a slash, a... I mean, almost... It looked like it cut him in half. Looked like he was going for a decapitation of his knees in the flyer zone. Just completely wrecks him. Puck's turned over, gently swooped into the slot for a young pretzel to then score a goal, which puts them up by two... And it's a no call. And the ref was looking right at it. Right at him. And I don't know if it's one of those, well, they were just in the box, so we don't want to put them back kind of deal. No. He, he like, it was Couturier who, who, who Latang slashed or whatever you want to call it, tripped, a major trip. Well, it ended up flipping him like 90 degrees. It was it was very egregious. And the ref was looking right at it. Like you said, he they score five Fly, seconds after flyers that. Flyers are still on the ice. I mean, literally, mouths wide open, just looking around like, how in the crap was that even not called? Because it should have been a penalty on the spot, and as soon as they touch the puck, it's blown dead. The yeah, play's blown exactly. dead. Yeah, as soon as they touch the puck, it should have been. You do not get scored. But right, right there. when you look, I said, I think it's a little nefarious. If you look at who that call helped. Oh, it helped Pittsburgh? That's a shocker. Makes you wonder. Bro, Philly fans were livid. For all, I, I mean... I actually thought they handled it quite well because if that had happened in Nashville, there'd have been people crawling over the glass. I, I mean, it was bad. And then right after that, that was the game. They were up two, and then I think we they reset and they scored again in like twenty seconds. But mentally, they weren't even they they checked out. It was like, pfft. and then get this, rub it in a little bit more. They pull a goalie, and they ended up scoring a, uh, an empty net goal, yeah. which I'm like. Oh, that really stings now because if that goal doesn't happen, probably the second one doesn't happen because you're still mentally in the game. And then you still score an empty netter, which would have tied it up. And then they pull the goalie. They get another one. Get eight hung on them. Man, as a Flyers fan, you got to be livid. I was livid as a Predators fan. And once again, it goes back to terrible calls. We just want consistency. But in this one, it was just egregious. I mean, there's there's no way you can look at the footage and say, you know, what was really funny is NBC was like, I couldn't tell if that's a slash from this angle. And then finally they showed another angle. Oh, yeah, that, <laughs> that, that's a slash. All right. Yeah. 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 No dip. You about took a guy's legs off. I mean, I, I don't know. It's been incredibly frustrating. I hope <laughs> the refs get it right in the second round, but. Does not look highly like doubt it. it. It is trending in the wrong direction right now. Well, I'll say props to Couturier because he did play the final two games of that uh, series with a with a torn MCL. That's right. And he almost got his leg chopped off. Yeah, in I think the he scored like uh, I don't know if he got any points. I don't remember the stat. I had it written down, but yeah, as he said, if that would have happened during the regular season, that would have taken four weeks to recover from. I've got it right here. It said he registered a hat trick and a point on each of Philly's five goals in that. Flyers 8-5 series in a loss Sunday. That's crazy. With a torn ligament. That's some freaking Carlson crap right there. Yeah. And then still gets his legs cleaved off. <laughs> I mean, like, dude's going to be in a wheelchair for the next oh. next six months. I mean, like, seriously? That's, oh. Yeah, I am I was hot as a Predators fan, but I Flyer fan base. But Well, hey, it's playoff hockey. These things happen, and it's amazing to me. The players that get injured. And they don't want you to know because it reminds me of James Neal when he was playing for us last season. Got getting the shots in his hand injected. to keep playing. Yeah. Uh, Ellis was also injured too in the finals game. He, he was injured. His knee was injured, the one that he had surgery in the offseason. And I remember in game six particularly, he took a shot in that knee from the puck and it saved a goal. And I'm like, man, he just skated off and you could tell it hurt. Like he was just like dead legged on it for. The next, he took a shift or two off, but I love players like that. Man, they got grit. They're warriors. That's what you need on your team to make it far in the playoffs. So, And now that the playoffs are heating up, let me let you in on another stat I found out. This one was courtesy of Greg Wojcicki. 
he said that nine out of the 12 past cup champions uh, between the years 2003 and 2015 had a penalty kill that was above league average, but yet a power play unit that was below league average. And so far, if you look at the metrics of what's going on, the special teams so far in the playoffs through the first round, that statement is true about three teams that they have a PK above league average and a power play unit below league average. Those three teams Predators. are Predators, Pittsburgh, okay, the third team, Vegas. Ooh. Interesting. Dun, dun, dun. Western Conference Finals matchup predicted by Matt <laughs> here on the show. Actually, I have Vegas and Preds mm. on my Western Conference Final too. So We shall see. That's interesting. Our penalty kill was excellent <laughs> against against Colorado, considering the amount of penalties we took. And, and it we was the McKinnon line. The Jets. It was the McKinnon line. So they need to keep that up big time rolling into the second series. Another interesting thing we didn't mention yet is that, I don't know if you guys saw it, Pecorine becomes the number one goalie in postseason wins by a Finnish goaltender passing Antiniemi, who had 36 wins. Oh, that's awesome. So that's pretty cool. And also, Pasternak becomes the first player since Gretzky to score eight goals in the first two postseason games. We talked about that earlier, how hot that line has been for Boston. So incredible. Anytime you get put up there with a stat next to Gretzky, that's what's up. So, guys, what matchup are you looking forward to the most in round two? If you could pick one of them right now. I know the Toronto and Boston game is undecided yet. But if you could pick that juicy matchup, look at what we're all looking at, like our brackets right now. What what are you picking? Um, I know I know yours already. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, I'm gonna say caps and pins. Caps and pins, okay. I'm tired of seeing that one. I have to pick something different. And then what do you want? Which one are you picking? I know. Oh, it's got to be the Sharks in Vegas, I knew baby. I knew. No doubt. I love watching the Sharks play. I think that one's going to be really good too. Depending on who wins this, I think the Bruin. Oh man, a Bruins Lightning matchup yeah. is going to be incredible. I honestly, not because of the local team, the Jets and the Preds are going to be. It's going to be high flying, yeah. high goal score. It's going to be fantastic. What I love on the uh, Preds Jets. Is that it's becoming a well-known like thing that people are saying this should be a conference final, and if worst case, if either team was on the other side, it would should be a Stanley Cup final. Yeah, it's arguably it could arguably be a Stanley Cup final. But I think what's awesome about this is I think this is the start of a rivalry that's going to bloom over the next several years because I think the Predators and the Jets are going to be the two best teams in the Central for the next several years. Just looking at their roster. Uh, a lot of young talent. Uh, I mean, heck, we don't even have Tolvanen in the lineup, and he's going to have all next season to just get good. But look at Matt. He's smirking because yeah. you, you forget that next season is arguably looking better for the Preds. <laughs> and I will interject that with Seattle coming into the uh, league soon, there has already been talk about the most obvious team that would move is not Arizona, but Nashville. Nashville is the easternmost team in the Western Conference. Interesting. Yeah. So we would get put into another division with, say, Tampa and maybe Pittsburgh. That'd be interesting. And that means we no, could eventually Pittsburgh have a the Metro. Jets, Preds, Stanley Cup final. That'd be awesome. But I, I honestly think that's going to be your your two top teams in the next several years in the Central. So I, I cannot wait for this matchup. I think there are some stuff that new, we need to tighten down, obviously. Game six moving forward looked really good. Left us out on a high note. But the second line for me, if I had to pick one thing to improve, second line needs to step it up. So Definitely. Do, um, what do you think? Yeah. One thing to improve? One thing to improve. What do you think, Kyle? I have to agree. Second line. First line was there. Third line. But we've got to have that second line going too. If it's not, we're going to get exposed. So uh, Fiala, Turris, and Smith in the regular season, their goal differential was 32-13 to 13 with 58.67 scoring chance percentage. In the playoffs, zero to two goal differential. Terrible. Absolutely terrible. I mean, that's that's ridiculous. They almost three times, almost three times in the regular season that, on the goal differential. That that's from a Vinigan, right? Yeah, and it's basically it just shows that they're stagnant. They're not really getting a lot scored on them, but they're not really generating a lot of chances. So I have a feeling they're going to come out pretty strong. Uh, Craig Smith and Fiala, you you can only keep them down for so long. That's a very fast line. I think that's going to match up well with the Jets. It's going to be a little bit looser. 
in that uh, against their defensive core. So it, it's going to be fantastic. I can't wait. But uh, that's my one thing to improve. Do you have one thing to improve, Matt? Um, yeah, I'll take a little different note. Of course, everybody knows my pet peeve. I'm going to have to say that defense needs to tighten up in the slot. When you know we have a great defensive core, and a lot of that leads to great scoring, playing that two-way puck-moving game we do, that's fine. But it seems, that, especially in that first couple of games, when they got caught out of position, they got caught out of position bad. So as long as we can tighten that up, that's going to help out a lot. Well, that went back to our Ellis and Ekholm were excellent in the first series. Uh, Yossi wasn't too bad. He generated a decent amount of points, you know, whatever. That's what he does. He's still going to push it a little bit, but PK definitely needs to rein it in a little bit. He, I think he will. He was really fired up for this. He's been really, he's been really chippy, mad, and yeah. yeah. I I think Lavi will have a talk with him, rein it in. He'll he'll pull it in like last year because I mean last year he was shut down. Yeah, he seems to have some bad blood just between the Colorado. You know, they were chanting at him every time he touched the puck. So I think next series he's going to rein it in. He was just seemed to be really frustrated. He's going to be in Canada too, so he's got to be happier. I mean, (laughs) they're still still going to boo him. Never too cold for ice cream up there. Yeah, but uh, that said, I. I think he's going to rein it in. And that kind of happened last year. He got better as series went on, and then he was shutting down teams by the Western Conference Final and and the the Stanley Cup playoffs, too. He's matching up really well. So I think that would have been my second person or the second thing to improve was PK. So you just went ahead and wrapped it all up into the defensive core. (laughs) And speaking about shutdown, guys, I think it's time we put a bow on this and we go on to the night. Yes, it is late here, and it is a Monday, so... It is. It is currently 10.30 at night. We're recording on a Monday night because this is the only day of the week for our recording week that we could all physically do this. So we sucked it up and did a late night recording. So that's how much we love you guys. And if you love us, go follow us on Twitter. You can find us at Music City Gold. You can find me at Kyle Hancock. You can find Daniel at C. Dan Drum. And you can find Matt at MattBain31. This is another playoff edition of Music City Gold, part of the Penalty Box Radio Network. You guys have a great week. We'll see you on the ice.